listening to Matt Loves Cameras. You've heard of the Olympus XA. You've heard of the Olympus XA2. You've heard of the Mew 2, also known as the Olympus Stylus Epic. But have you heard of the Olympus LT1? It is a Mew 1 in a leather jacket. Let me tell you, I am in love with this little camera. Keep listening and find out why. I'm Matt Murray, and this is Matt Loves Cameras. Film cameras. Instant cameras. And everything analogue photography related. you doing oh my gosh it has been such a long time since i've done a podcast it's been almost three weeks i can't believe it's been that long it's summer holidays here in australia so we've been very busy trying to keep the kids busy until school goes back in late january and although i haven't recorded any podcasts this year until now uh, rest assured i have been very busy out and about shooting with different cameras for upcoming episodes of the show so happy new year to you all 2019 it's going to be a great year a lot of things planned and i'm really excited just to recap about the podcasts I'm Matt Murray, I'm a photographer and camera enthusiast from sunny Brisbane in Australia. In many episodes of the podcast, I will review a different film or instant camera, telling you about its history, its features, what it's like to use and what kind of photos you can expect from it. You can see the images I took with the cameras on the show's website, mattlovescameras.com, along with the show's Instagram account, at mattlovescameras. In today's episode, the camera I'm reviewing is a little pocket rocket from 1994. It's a point-and-shoot from Olympus, the LT1. So I'll get into that in a minute. And then after the review, I'll chat about what I've been up to in 2019 so far, what cameras I've been shooting with. I'll also give you an update on my emulsive secret Santa gift. Let me tell you, it certainly was a surprise. And I'll go through a few other bits and bobs before finishing off the episode. Now, usually with the show, we sort of kick off with a bit of a history lesson um, about the film or the camera or the company. I'm actually going to leave that until another episode, simply because I have lots of Olympus cameras, and so I'll leave that until I do another review. So let me tell you how I got my Olympus LT1. Last year, uh, late last year, I saw a lot of cameras, like a job lot or a bulk lot of cameras advertised on Facebook Marketplace, which here in Australia is, a, you know, part of Facebook. It's a buying and selling marketplace. And these cameras were about an hour and a half away from where we lived, um, just outside a little country town called Debra, sort of on the northwest outskirts of Brisbane. So it was about an hour and a half from where we lived. And we were going up that way anyway, um, one weekend. So I messaged the lady and um, I could sort of see what quite a few of the cameras were, but there was one little camera I wanted to know a bit more about. So in the lots of cameras, the uh, I could see quite clearly, I could see there was a Polaroid uh, land camera. There was a white Polaroid rainbow stripe one-step camera. There was some kind of uh, 90s kind of Olympus bridge camera. 
there was an old Kodak Brownie movie projector. There was a Kodak 8 um, movie camera. Is that the right words? Movie camera? I'm not very good with movie stuff. There was a slide projector. There were oodles of slide magazines and cartridges. And there was this little camera in a brown case. Well, at least I thought it was a brown case. And I sort of looked at it and I thought, oh, that looks like the shape of an Olympus Mew or a Mew 1 or a Mew 2. So I messaged the lady and said, hey, can you um, can you take some more photos of that little brown camera with the case off? And she sent back some photos. And much to my surprise, there was this little camera and I could see just to the left of the lens, it said LT1. So I started Googling this. I thought, what is this? And it's Olympus LT1. And I quickly found out um, some information about the camera. And I decided that I very much wanted to go up to Debra and uh, get this camera. So on the weekend, we headed up in the car. I took the family with me. In fact, we even took um, Marshall Dalmatian, um, the great photographer dog, Marshall Dalmatian, And we got to this beautiful little country house, um, like a beautiful wooden house with a veranda. And they had lovely gardens of beautiful green grass. Um, It gets very dry here in in Queensland sometimes, but the grass was beautiful and green. And the people were really nice. They um, they locked the gates up as we drove in in our car, well, four-wheel drive. And they said, oh, let the dog out for a run. So the dog got out. He had a romp around the the grass. Uh, went for a wee probably, and hopefully he didn't uh, go for number two on the grass. Um, but I was actually, during this time, I was talking to the gentleman who was selling the cameras. They were moving out of this beautiful country home. They were moving uh, closer to um, the city, I think, um, to sort of spend out their retirement kind of thing. And so he had all the cameras lined up on the table for me. And I could see the Polaroid uh, 320 LAN camera. Uh, So, yeah, I worked out it was a 320. And I did a quick Google and worked out, unfortunately, that wasn't one of the sought-after models. It had the original batteries with it, two original batteries. And they're like these big silver things. Um, But, unfortunately, the batteries had long since lost their charge. And it hadn't been converted, obviously, to take more modern batteries. The, um, the white Polaroid rainbow stripe camera uh, had lost a bit of its sheen. It was a little bit beige, but it, it still worked. I put, a, I put an empty cartridge in and it fired up and everything else looked okay. Uh, and then I got our little battery out and put it in the Olympus and it fired up. And I thought, yes, thank goodness. It takes a battery and it's fired up. So I gave the man a hundred bucks and I put all the stuff in my car and I, I took it home. And about a few days later, we um, maybe it was the next weekend from memory, we went to the beach and I put a roll of Kodak Gold from memory in the camera and um, I just took a whole, load of, um, a whole load of shots at the beach, not knowing whether they'd turn out or not. So I just wanted to shoot the whole damn roll, you know, get it over and done with, shoot it. And that's a great feeling when you, when you do that, when you shoot the whole damn roll. Just get through the whole roll in one afternoon. It's a wonderful feeling. So I didn't really take um, too much care with doing artistic shots or anything with them because I, I've done that before. Uh, I actually did it very recently. I'll, I'll tell you about what happened last weekend. And, you know, you take all these beautiful artistic shots and, and then there's something wrong with the camera. So it's always super disappointing. 
Um, but with the LT1, um, I just did that with it. And um, I was pleasantly surprised when it came back and the camera worked. So uh, the show today is based on only three rolls that I've shot with the LT1, including that really first quick roll. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. So at the outset of the show, I said we wouldn't talk too much about history. However, to talk about the LT1, we also need to talk about its predecessors, the cameras that made it possible. So rewind to 1979 when Olympus brought out their groundbreaking Olympus XA very compact rangefinder camera. It has this amazing clamshell design. So the clamshell is the cover on the front of the camera. You pull back the clamshell and it reveals the lens and you're ready to shoot straight away. So the Olympus XA line, very, very popular, a line of cameras back in the late 70s, early 80s, and through to this day, a lot of people love the Olympus XA cameras. So the natural progression to that was the Olympus Mu or the Olympus Stylus, as it was called in the United States. So that was released in 1991 and it was designed by the same camera designer. I hope I get this name right. Meitani Yoshihisa (laughs) uh, from Olympus. And it kept that same clamshell um, design with that, which protected the lens. And as soon as you pull that uh, sort of clamshell back, the lens is revealed, sort of shuffles forward, and it's ready to shoot. So the Olympus Mu, or the Olympus Stylus, was also hugely successful for Olympus, and it sold over 5 million units. So that was in 1991. Now, the original um, cameras, the stylus on Mu cameras, were made in Japan, but then later on they were made in China with Japanese parts. So, it was only in 1994, three years after the release of the Mu or the stylus, that Olympus introduced the LT-1. So the Olympus LT-1 is more of a stylish, automatic designer camera for upmarket travellers. Very much similar to the Mu-1 in terms of the lens and the design of the camera, but the cameras are encased by this beautiful sort of synthetic leather. Uh, And these cameras were actually made all in Japan, uh, maybe because there was a more sophisticated uh, manufacturing process, maybe, I'm not sure, but these were all made in Japan. Now, let me tell you, they did a really good job molding the synthetic leather onto the camera body. So the camera here I have in my hands is now 25 years old. It's still in beautiful condition. I mean, sure, it's got a bit of wear and tear here and there, but there is not a hint that any of that leather is coming off the body. So they did a really good job. So as I just said, this was a designer compact point and shoot with the same innards as the the Mu1 or the stylus. It was a very stylish looking camera. It was available in four colors, black, green, burgundy, and the one I have brown. It was aimed at that kind of almost sort of luxury traveler market. And the man who I got it off actually told me it was his wife's camera. uh, And she sort of took it everywhere with her on their travels. So LT1, LT actually stands for Levertech. So that's what the LT stands for in the camera. Like the uh, the Mu or the stylus, it has a 35mm f3.5 lens. It's an autofocus camera. 
it detects automatically DX coded uh, film canisters uh, and has an ISO range of 50 to 3200. Uh, the camera itself, there is no clamshell on this camera like the XA or like the Muir Stylus, but it has, um, it's still very clever the way they've done it. So it actually looks like a purse or a wallet. Um, so yeah, it does look really stylish like that. And I almost feel like I am carrying around a purse or something when I'm ca- walking around the streets with this camera, but that's okay. Um, I, when I, when I go to work, I actually have a blue suit and I, um, with my blue suit, I wear these like a tan or brown shoes. So it actually, matches my shoes and my belt this camera so I don't mind if people think it's a purse because it kind of matches my outfit half the time um, so uh, yeah it, it has this beautiful sort of um, tongue shaped cover so what happens is at the back of the camera you've got this clasp and you lift the clasp and the flap goes sort of falls down below the camera and then you have to turn the camera on. So it's not like you open up a clamshell and the camera comes on. You t- uh, open up the flap and then there's a little button on the front, the on off button. And I'll just turn it on now. Did you hear that? Yeah. And you can sort of hear the flash fire up there as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if you heard that. So very much like the Mew, um, when you turn it on, the lens protrudes slightly from the camera and it is ready to take photos. I'll just, I'll take a dummy one now. What a beautiful sound. So looking at the front of the camera, there is at the top there, there's the flash and there's a few little things there. I think it was, well, the viewfinder is one of them, the viewfinder window. There's also, I'd say the autofocus mechanism there to detect how far away your subject is. There's the words uh, of the letters LT1. At the bottom, there's the word Olympus with AF underneath it, autofocus. There's a mid-roll rewind button on the front of the camera. Around the lens itself, it says Olympus lens 35mm f3.5. Looking at the bottom of the camera, on the left of the camera, uh, the bottom of the camera, there is a tripod socket. There are the words made in Japan and the serial number. Uh, my serial number is just over the 1 million mark, so I'm guessing they sold quite a few of these bad boys as well. And on the back, you have a little film window, so you can see what film, if any, you have loaded in there. You've got the viewfinder, which is pretty good. It's it's quite nice. Not the best, not you know, but not the worst. It's, it's kind of pretty, pretty solid. There's a, a film door. And when you open up that, um, it's pretty clean inside. Um, this model looks beautiful. It's very nice. And when you close that up, I haven't got any film in, but it'll try and wind some film on. Hang on, here we go. Now, like a lot of Olympus cameras, uh, when it doesn't detect film or if you haven't put the film in correctly, it'll sort of flash with E for error. Um, So that's what my camera is doing now because I haven't got any film in. Now, looking at the right-hand side of the camera, there is the space, well, a door for the battery. So I'll just open that up. And there is one battery in there at the moment. It's powered by a CR123A battery. And the battery life's pretty good, actually. Uh, having said that, I've only shot three rolls in this camera. So, um, but, I, you know, it feels, <laughs> it feels like it's got a good battery life. Does that make any sense? I don't know. So I'll just close that back up. On the top, you've got all the controls. So on the far right, you've got a lovely silver shutter button. You've got a little LCD, which is blinking E at the moment at me. 
there's the flash menu and you can press the flash button on the far left to the top of the camera and that cycles through all the flashes so it automatically on auto then there's an auto s um, I'll actually find out what that is in a, in a gap in the show and I'll get back to you on what auto s is um, there's flash off that's how I usually shoot with this camera so that's why I don't know what auto s means and there's also a fill-in flash, which sounds pretty cool. Uh, there's a self-timer button, which is great. Now, I've actually got the quartz date model of this camera. So you can, if you really want to, you can have the date that you took photos splashed all over your negatives. Uh, I don't know why anyone would want to do that in this day and age, but there you go. I've turned that off. Um, so that's it. On the right-hand side of the camera as well, right near the battery compartment door, there's a lovely sort of strap, which is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of felty kind of strap. It's not felt, but it kind of feels quite fluffy and soft. Um, so it's a really nice feeling camera. So I've just done some Googling, and it seems that the Auto S is for the red eye reduction. Of course, how could I have forgotten that? <laughs> so there you go. Okay, let's talk about the images taken with the Olympus LT1. So um, I've just had a break actually for dinner and uh, I'm drinking some nice wine now. <laughs> so hopefully the descriptions will be really cool and not at all weird. Um, I'm drinking a glass of lovely Pinot Noir Chardonnay, beautiful chilled uh, Australian sparkling wine. Uh, it's a very warm evening here. I've um, got the aircon cranked. And um, so I've got this nice glass of wine to see me through. So remember that all of the images that I'm about to describe, you'll be able to see on the website, mattlovescameras.com. And I'll be putting some of them up on the Instagram as well, at mattlovescameras. So the first one I want to talk about is a picture of my beautiful daughter. So this was from the very first roll that I took with the camera. It was shot on Kodak Gold 200. And it's kind of down at the seaside. I think it's at Victoria Point there, um, just on the sort of um, coast of near where we live. And uh, it's actually a really lovely image of my daughter. She's not looking at the camera. Um, I decided that I had way too many pictures of my children looking at the camera smiling or, or doing a forced smile. Um, so I actually said to her, just look into the distance there. And I really like it. I, I'm not sure, obviously, what uh, aperture was used by the camera. I think it was maybe, I don't know, f5.6. Oh, who knows? But there is um, the background is it looks quite nice. She looks great. Her hair's illuminated by the sun. And I really love that picture. And the Kodak Gold is looking great. The next image is of my son. We actually went down to a cafe somewhere. Um, this was actually in West End, um, right near the centre of Brisbane. And we went into this cafe. I desperately needed a coffee, so uh, I had a flat white. And I said to him, what do you want to drink, buds? And he's had a chocolate milkshake. So I took a few pictures of him having his chocolate milkshake. And one of them, he's, he's kind of a bit tired from walking around. And he's got his, uh, his head on his hand and he's looking straight at the camera. And again, there's a really nice kind of depth of field to the image. I really like, like it. Um, it was quite dark inside the cafe. 
Um, this was taken on ISO 200 speed film. But um, I really like the depth of field there. I would say it's probably even shallower than the first one. <clears throat> I would say maybe, I don't know, F3.5, F4, who knows what it was taken at. Um, but it looks quite nice there. The next shot I've got is of uh, some a Ferris wheel at the Royal Queensland show. So you may remember in episode three, which was the Fujifilm SQ6, I had a number of images of the rides at the Royal Queensland show, which I took last August. And this is one I took with the LT1 on C200, Fujicolor C200. And again, it's just the, the blue background of the sky and it's got the nice colorful uh, Ferris wheel carriages. Um, I really quite like the image, although it's not really like super bright, super punchy colors. I mean, I could have changed it up in Lightroom a little bit and made them a bit more, pop a bit more, but I, I thought I'd just show you what it was like, more or less, um, straight off the scan. So the fourth image is an image I took during a model shoot. So sometimes I do shoots with models. Um, I do most of my shoots on my Fujifilm X-Series digital cameras, but I always take film cameras with me. So the next two shots are of Anne. Anne is um, a model I met on Facebook, and uh, we did a great little shoot in Brisbane City last November. Uh, so I have been taking uh, photos with the LT1 for a while and I loaded up the camera with a roll of Fujifilm Superior 1600. Uh, I got that from B&H New York. I did a big order with them and I ordered 10 rolls of Superior 1600. I'm pretty sure Superior 1600 is discontinued now. And I'm also pretty sure that Superior 1600 is the same as Natura 1600. Um, so I actually have uh, about a dozen rolls of Natura as well. So um, my 1600 speed films, I, I have plenty of them. And I'm going to shoot, fil- uh, keep keep shooting them rather. Um, I, I quite like the, the way they look. So the first image of Anne here, we actually took this downtown in Brisbane, um, down near Eagle Street. There's a bar called, um, I think it's called Brooklyn, Brooklyn Standard maybe. Uh, unfortunately, uh, with two small children, I have no social life. So I wish I could tell you what the bar was called with any certainty, <laughs> but I've never been there for a drink. I've only ever taken photos outside. So the, the image, the background of the image is quite blue, some beautiful blue tones. There's a lot of kind of grain being um, 1600 film. And there's Anne in the foreground wearing a pair of sunglasses. Her skin is quite red tinged from the neon glow of the bar sign. Because uh, there's a sign outside the bar saying bar. And you can actually see the sign in her sunglasses. So we've got a reflection of the neon sign in her sunglasses. <clears throat> so I really like that shot. I took that digitally and I took that with film as well. And the film one, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. The next image is of Anne in a laneway uptown. So this is in a laneway just off George Street in Brisbane. And they always have uh, beer, what do you call them? Beer kegs. Beer kegs outside uh, the back of the pub. So I took Anne into the laneway. It was pretty dark. And for this shot, I actually used continuous lighting. So I had a little LED lights and I switched that on. I was pretty sure that just using a flash wasn't going to cut the mustard. So I turned the LED flash on. I got Anne to look downwards because uh, the LED lights are really bright. 
So um, she's sort of looking down with her hand just under her chin, uh, looking pensive, thinking goodness knows what thoughts. And um, you can sort of see the, the shine of the lights of the beer barrels in the background. And again, I really like this image. And in fact, both those images, um, the one of... And the number three image I described in with the, the bar neon lights in her sunglasses and also the one of the barrels in the background. I think they're the two images I'm going to send into the Sunny 16 Fashion Cheap Shots Challenge um, because the camera did cost me under 20 US dollars, uh, even including the film. So um, I think I really like those images. I'm not sure how fashiony they are, but I mean, Anne looks great. She's wearing nice clothes and she's a good model. So I think it qualifies uh, really well. <laughs> so the next image is of my boy. Um, we went into town one day into the city and we, I think it was just before Christmas and we went for a bit of a shop. I think we bought the boy some new clothes because um, he has a lot of hand-me-downs, but we got him some of his own clothes. And uh, then we went for a burger somewhere and uh, I saw this little wall and I said, right, I need to use um, some of the frames up in this camera. Stand against the wall. And he kind of looked at me and with a fake smile. And then I made him laugh. And he's got this cute little smile on his face. Uh, he's wearing a pink shirt and white shorts. So I really like that. It's a nice little camera for just taking cool images of the fam. Now, the next two shots were taken at night. Um, they were taken towards the end of the year, I believe. Uh, so the first one is of a neon sign in the valley, uh, in Fortitude Valley in Brisbane, uh, where Merlot have their, I think it's one of their headquarters maybe, I don't know. Merlot is quite a well-known coffee company here in Australia and they have a big store in the valley in Brisbane and so it's a picture of the neon sign. Now these two photos I took at night were taken on the Fujicolor C200 uh, so this is 200 speed film. It's not the 1600 speed film. And so even with the, the 200 speed film, I turn the flash off and I'm really happy with how these turned out. I mean, they're not the greatest night shots in the world, but I think they've turned out really well for, um, you know, 200 speed film, uh, given that I didn't use flash or anything. So there's some beautiful blue aspect in the first one of the Merlot coffee place. And in the second one, I took that in... Oh, what's that street called? I think it's Ann Street. Is it Ann Street? I can't remember. But it's a street that runs through the valley, Fortitude Valley, all the way up into the city. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's a picture of, uh, on the left-hand side of the image, there's a 60, 60 kilometers an hour glowing speed sign. And you can sort of see some shops in the middle of the, the image, along with quite a few... Uh, cars and buses sort of zooming past the frame. So I was actually quite surprised. I thought this would turn out as complete rubbish and I really like the way it's come out. And uh, it looks like the camera is, you know, taking that at quite a um, wide open sort of three, F3.5, something like that, maybe one sixtieth of a second. Um, but it looks really nice. Um, so I was really impressed with that. The next image is of my daughter. So again, on this theme of getting my children uh, in my photos, but without having them look at the camera in a cheesy way. So we were out somewhere. I can't even remember where I took this, uh, but um, this was taken again with the Fujicolor C200. And I said to my daughter, she's wearing like a red or purpley striped top. 
and it was quite sunny, but I think the light was fading. And I said to her, just stand against this pole and look downwards. And so she looked downwards. Um, it looks like she's looking down towards her feet. And I took the image. And again, it's I think it's quite a, a wide aperture, maybe f3.5, f4, who knows. And um, it's just lovely uh, image of my daughter. I really like this. I like the way the, the bokeh or the bokeh, however you want to say it, in the background of the trees looks really nice. Um, and it just looks like a great little image there. The next one is of my son in his natural habitat. So that's on the sofa with his iPad. Um, he loves playing Minecraft and um, other games on the iPad. So uh, he loves hanging around in his pajamas. So he's in these pajamas with uh, little emoji looking faces on them. And he's got his headphones on. And I sort of crept up on him while he was playing the game because he's got these headphones on. I'm not sure he heard me. And then I was looking through the viewfinder and all of a sudden he noticed me and he looked around. And I really like the lights in this photo. Again, um, it, there's no flash used in this at all. And just the way the camera has uh, handled the ambient lights, I think is really beautiful. Uh, again, it's probably F3.5, something like that. Um, but I really like the way that you can just do candid shots with this camera without the flash and they turn out, quite often, they turn out really beautifully. And the last image I'm going to describe, this is where I used to work. Um, I used to park my car down this part of town. Um, I used to work in a suburb called Newstead in Brisbane, which is uh, a lot of new builds, you know, massive, big, you know, high-rise um, flats and apartments. But down the road in Tenerife, right on the river, there's these old uh, buildings that have been restored, and they're, they're called wool stores. So years and years ago, you know, Australia was a, a country that exported a lot of wool. We had a lot of sheep. We still do have a lot of sheep. Uh, and the uh, all the wool from the sheep uh, got shorn. Is that the right word? Yeah, shorn. The sheep got shorn. And all the wool used to get sent down to Brisbane, and they used to get stored in these big uh, buildings uh, waiting for the ships to take them overseas um, be sold exported and turn into clothes um, so these are some beautiful wool stores on the on the Brisbane River at Tenerife in Brisbane uh, this one's called the Australian Estates Company Limited and it's kind of like a brown brick building ready brown brick building um, and it's got a beautiful blue sky in the background there with um, some nice fluffy clouds and again, I really like the way the camera has handled that uh, image. Um, the images are all qu quite sharp. So I've only, I think I've picked out 12 images, have I? Let me just count them. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. I've only got 11. I might have missed an image. Um, hang on. So yes, I've just found the 12th image. Um, now the 12th image is one that I wasn't going to put in the, the show notes, but I think I'll show it to you just for the sake of showing you. This was taken again um, on a model shoot with a young lady called Sasha. She's only 14. So her and her mum uh, met up with me in Brisbane and we, we did a lovely shoot around the city. And now we went down that alleyway again with those beer barrels or beer kegs or whatever you want to call them. And again, I think this time I didn't have the LED lighting with me. And I think this one was purely flash. So this one, Sasha looks great. I mean, there's some beautiful light coming off her hair and her shoulder. Her face is okay illuminate, like the illumination on her face is okay. 
but the background is just super grainy, super dark. Clearly, the flash in this instance uh, wasn't enough to light the scene properly. I mean, if you contrast that with the image of Anne further up, there's a big difference. Um, so that was my fault, um, thinking that the little flash on the LT1 could light a super dark alley with 1600 film and, and turn out a nice exposure. Um, but next time um, I'm sort of shooting almost in the dark with 1600 film, I'll remember to take some kind of uh, a better light source with me, like those continuous LED lights. Um, but I'm really, really happy even though it's, it's really grainy, I still think she looks great. It looks very moody and very cool. Uh, I think it does. I don't know. You guys might look at it and think it looks complete crap. Uh, but I think she looks, Sasha looks great in this photo. Check out the show notes at mattlovescameras.com. If you're on Instagram, come say hi at mattlovescameras or... If you fancy getting in touch, drop us a line at mattlovescameras at gmail.com. So how did the Olympus LT1 shape up against my completely made-up and arbitrary ratings? It did really well. Usability and performance, I gave it a 22 out of 25. It's a lovely little camera to hold in your hands. It feels great. It's light. Um, it has a really nice feel to it. It doesn't feel plasticky and like it's going to fall out of your hand, like say the Mewtwo. Um, you know, as soon as you open up the leather flap and you turn the camera on, you're ready to go. The shutter is really responsive. There's not like a massive delay when you sort of press the, um, uh, the, the shutter button there. So I really like the way, uh, it handles. So it's 22 out of 25 for that. Features. So for features, I gave it 18 out of 25. I mean, it's got all the modern stuff, you know, DX coding of the film, you know, auto rewind, auto wind, all that kind of stuff that you'd expect on a, you know, post 1980s um, compact point and shoot. I guess the only thing though, really, is that you can't change the aperture. You know, it's got automatic exposure, all that stuff, but you just can't change the aperture. So it's a bit of bit of luck of a draw on what you get. So 18 out of 25 for features. Images. I've given the images 22 out of 25. I really love the images that I took with the camera. I've only shot three rolls of film with it. I don't think I included... I know, I think I included images from all three rolls of film in this uh, podcast. Um, But certainly the first roll was pretty much a write-off because I was just taking random photos. I didn't know if it worked. The second roll um, with the C200, I actually took quite a few photos of my kids in their school uniforms at the park on scooters, and some of them were really nice, um, but I didn't want to put them in the podcast. So um, I really only had a, a limited amount of you know uh, images to choose from, but I had no trouble choosing 12 shots uh, that I liked with the camera. So 22 out of 25 for the images. Fun. I've given it 20 out of 25. It's a great little camera. It's so light, fits in your pockets. Um, you know, it's not as small as some cameras. It's not as small as the Mew 2. It's not as small as the Pentax Auto 110. But um, it is a lovely camera, um, and it, like I said earlier, it kind of it almost feels like a purse or a little wallet or something. And uh, it's it's great to just get it out wherever you are and take some images with. So. 
That gives the Olympus LT1 a rating of 82 out of 100. So as I said earlier, we have had a really busy few weeks uh, entertaining the kids. We're on school holidays. We had 11 days off over Christmas, New Year. Uh, unfortunately, my son was sick for like six of those days. And so it was a bit of a write off. But I have been keeping myself pretty busy. Um, I had a recent model shoot with a lady who lives near me, a young lady called Bailey. Um, and so what, what also I had over Christmas, uh, I also shoot digital and, um, there's a website, I'm not sure if you've heard of them, you probably have heard of them, um, called ShotKit. So ShotKit is, um, created by a guy called Mark. I'm pretty sure Mark's English, but he lives in Sydney. And so Mark created ShotKit a few years ago. And a lot of what ShotKit has on their website is amazing images and descriptions of photographers, kit bags. Um, but ShotKit also does gear reviews. And so, um, through a, a Facebook group I'm in, uh, Mark actually teed up me to do some reviews. So I had the Fujifilm uh, XF 8-16mm f2.8 lens here. So I had that to review. And I also had a Sony um, 5100 uh, with three different Sony lenses. So um, I finished off one review and I've got another one to write. So I was on the hunt to do some um, shoots with people because you don't want the same people when you do a review. You don't want like, you know, 10 photos of the same person. That's pretty boring. So I'd already done uh, some images with Anne who uh, featured in some of the images for this uh, podcast. And I then teed up a shoot with Bailey. Uh, She had a friend who had a combi van. So um, we did a shoot just nearby, near where we live, and Bailey um, wore a couple of different, or three different bikinis. Um, we had some photos of Bailey in the combi van, so that was really fun. I did take some film images at the time um, of that shoot. Um, most of it was digital, though. Um, but when I have been out taking other images for those shocket reviews um, in the city, at the Cleveland Lighthouse, and a few other places. I have been taking a lot of cameras with me. So I've been out shooting with, um, I'll tell you, I'll give you a list here. Uh, where's my list of cameras? Here we go. So I've had my uh, Polaroid Originals One Step Plus. I've taken a few photos with that. I've taken my Polaroid SX70 from the, from 1972-ish. Uh, I took my Blackbird Fly camera out. Have you heard of the camera, Blackbird Fly? Uh, I actually found out about it through a really cool book about toy cameras so it's a plasticky kind of camera uh from japan uh it looks like a tlr a uh, mini tlr but it takes 35 mil film and you can expose the sprockets with the blackbird fly uh so I, i've taken one roll with it and i've currently got my second roll in the blackbird fly and it is such a fun super cool camera um so yeah um i've also been shooting with my fujifilm class s and I also had a Fujifilm class, would you believe? I had two cameras. I had the original class and I had the class S. So I kind of did a shootout with them and I took all the same images and that will be on a podcast uh, coming up very soon. I'll give you the comparison between the class and the class S um, if you want to know which one you should buy if you have enough money because it's certainly one of the most expensive cameras I have. I also took out uh, an AE1 program, a Canon AE1 program. 
I picked it up for 20 bucks on Facebook Marketplace. It is in beautiful condition. I've got it here in my hands. It came with a beautiful like 70s um, green camera strap. It's got a beautiful Canon 50mm f1.4 lens on. And so for 20 bucks, what a bargain. Um, and I, I loaded up with film um, and I shot the whole roll of film on the weekend. I thought the um, shutter sounded a bit weird. So listen to this here, ready? Yeah, uh, I didn't actually realise that's not how it's supposed to sound. <laughs> that is called a squeaky shutter, apparently. So um, it has a squeaky shutter, which may or may not cause problems by its own. But the one thing that I found out after I'd shot the entire roll of Kodak Gold's... Oh, sorry, C200 I shot with it, is that um, there's obviously something wrong with the shutter speeds on the camera because a lot of the images uh, that I got back on the roll of film, the you can quite clearly see that, you know, a third or a half of the image is exposed quite nicely. And then the rest, you can, is looks like the shutter curtains come back um, and it's just, you know, the images are ruined by this shutter problem. So I was super bummed when I got the negatives back because I was really hoping to use this for a project. Um, but sadly, um, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I haven't lost out because I think that 50mm 1.4 lens is pretty well sought after. And I think it's worth quite a bit more than 20 bucks. But I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the AE1 program yet. Um, I'll have a think about that. Now, the project I was talking about, I was in the wonderful Negative Positives Facebook group. It is one of my favorite uh, Facebook groups. There's a lot of knowledgeable, very cool, very nice people in there. So I was in there one day and Sherry Christensen, who is one of the moderators, she's based, I think she's based in Alberta in Canada. I hope I got that right. Um, Sherry was talking about a project that she's got a group of photographers doing uh, and it's called the Frugal Film Project. It's very hard to say when you've had a glass of wine, the Frugal Film Project. And so the idea is that you take a uh, cheap camera that you bought, um, say, for less than $50, I think it was, and then you take the um, 12 rolls of locally sourced cheap film and you shoot one roll a month for each month of 2019 and you show the world through the project how amazing you know cheap cameras and cheap film can be um so i'm just on the website now um so you can see information about the project on sherry's website so it's rr1photography.com Okay, so I have a list now of the people in the project. Um, so I will read them all out. I know some of these names, but not others. Uh, and certainly some of the names, I know their name, but I don't know where I know them from. So um, here we go. So obviously we've got Sherry Christensen. She is the ringleader of the project, which is fantastic. It's great to have awesome people like this, um, you know, teeing up awesome projects like this with people all across the world. There's myself. There's Marius Andre, I hope I pronounced that right, William Lehman, Will L. Spears, Anindam Chowdhury, uh, Nelson Mullis, Aidan Ped, Graham Bins. I know Graham's name. How do I know Graham's name? I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, Monette Cruz, Matt Melcher, uh, Dustin Cogsdale, Brian Havacan, 
Jason Konopinski. <laughs> and that's it, I think, and me. Did I say me? Yeah. So that is the people in the Frugal Film Project, and um, I'll probably give you an update on that later on when all the bios are published. Um, but that's a really exciting thing that I'm involved in this year, just completely by chance, and probably only got into the project because I don't think they had anyone from Australia. Um, so I'm not sure if it was on my phone. I, I probably definitely wasn't on my photographic skills, but there you go. So there's a, it sounds like there's some very talented, cool people on that project, and I'm really looking forward to um, seeing what the others have done with that. Listening to Matt Loves Cameras. So now is the time for me to give an update on the Emulsive Secret Santa. Now, I've really sort of struggled with what to say about it, uh, and you'll probably find that out why in a minute. Um, so my present didn't arrive for Christmas Day. Uh, it actually arrived, I think, on the 28th of December. Now... I'm only sort of telling you about this because I've mentioned it in the first three podcasts. Uh, I kind of feel like I bigged up the whole thing, talked about how exciting it was, and it is exciting. I've really enjoyed, um, you know, sending my present off to Paula in England. Uh, I've really enjoyed looking at what other people have been giving each other. And quite honestly, I've been blown away um, by what other people, how generous other people have been. I mean, some of the presents are way, way, way over 20 US dollars. I mean, I think mine was about 30 US dollars plus postage. But then some of the people have spent, I don't know, a lot more than that. And um, I kind of almost felt guilty that I, I didn't send Paula a camera in the end because so many people sent each other cameras. Uh, so on the 28th of December, um, my wife came up the driveway and she said, I think this is for you. This must be your secret Santa present. But it was a flat envelope, an A4 flat envelope. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure that's it. But it had a Russian postmark on. Now, bear in mind, in the Elfster software, Elfster website, which was the whole thing that the Secret Santa project ran on, it said that my gift was coming through the US Postal Service. So when I got this thing from Russia, I was like, ah, I'm not sure that's it. Um, But then I opened it up and I think it became pretty obvious that it was. So in the the packet here, the first thing is a note in Russian. A very swirly Russian writing. Um, I can't speak Russian. I can't read Russian. So um, <clears throat> that was the first thing I saw. It's A4 notes in Russian. Now, along with the notes in Russian, there are four black and white prints, sort of printed out on cards. Maybe one of them's kind of on paper. Yeah, kind of thick card, thick paper stock. And so there's four black and white images here. So there's one of the seaside with the lighthouse. There's one of a streets and a mirror in which in, in a, a country which I think is maybe in Scandinavia from the street sign. <clears throat> There's a big one of some kind of building, like a, a view looking down on the building with lots of big columns. And there's one of uh, like a horse carriage with a moving object next to the horse carriage. And that one's kind of almost a sepia kind of look to it. Um, so... That's what I got for my secret Santa present, um, which was, uh, at first I was kind of like, oh, is this my present? I didn't really understand. Um, so I then 
um, actually had a friend who is Russian, would you believe? Um, I've got a guy who I used to work with. His name's Dennis and he lives in Brisbane. <clears throat> so I took a photo of the letter with my iPhone and I messaged Dennis and I said, hey, Dennis, mate, can you do me a, a, um, a translation of this for me? And I'll just read out. I'm just going into Facebook. Where are we? Dennis, Dennis, Dennis. Here we go. And so this is Dennis's translation. Um, now the first thing Dennis said about the letter was he put, haha, very twirly writing. And here's the translation. Greetings from Russia. I'm not sure whether my small gift will reach you in time, but I hope it'll find a home on one of your walls. Merry Christmas from Roman. So there you go. That is my emulsive secret Santa present. Um, for black and white prints on um, paper cardstock. Um, and t- to be honest, look, I-, I appreciate the effort that Roman's gone to. Um, I did feel, I'll be honest, it's really hard for me to say this, and this is why I've been kind of delaying doing this podcast, but I guess I was a little bit a little bit disappointed. Um, I wasn't expecting something amazing. I wasn't expecting a Leica M6. I wasn't expecting a camera. I, I just thought maybe I'd get a couple of rolls of film and a postcard and a chocolate bar um, because I did fill out my wish list and I pretty much said that anything to do with 35mm is great. Uh, colour film, um, I only really shoot colour film. And um, so I got black and white prints. Uh, maybe he confused it with a print swap. Um, but for a couple of days... I was a bit, uh, a bit sad. I thought, oh man, I've really bigged this up, the, the emulsive Secret Santa. But there you go, uh, with the Secret Santa, you never know what you're going to get. So it's, uh, it certainly was a different present, surprising present to what I thought. So one of the best things about this podcast, even though I've only done three, or this is the fourth episode, um, but it's the connections that um, I've made with other people. And um, I haven't really promoted the podcast yet very much, mainly because I don't want to do a big promotion of it. And then people go to iTunes or or Spotify or wherever, and there's only like two or three episodes or four episodes. You know, I, I want to do a bit of a promotion of the podcast when I get to 10 or 12 episodes. So at least people can sort of, you know, pick and choose or listen to them all or whatever they want to do. However, um, it's been a few people um, contact me and leave messages and comments, which is really, really lovely. And uh, I've been really touched that people have taken the time to to chat to me about the podcast, um, which has been great. Of course, uh, Matthew Joseph at Photo Dude NZ, um, I've mentioned before, he's reached out to me before about the podcast, and that was really great. And he sent me a lovely photo book for Christmas, which was brilliant. Um, I've had some cool conversations with Ben, I think it's Ben, from Hip Shoot Film on Instagram, uh, mostly around the Secret Santa. We're having a good chat about that and, um, yeah, talking about um, what we expected or didn't expect. And uh, and I think Ben's present was a little bit late, but um, I can't remember what he got now. He told me yesterday, um, but it sounds like he got a cracking little present. That's great. Uh, I got in touch with Sven from the Viking Viewfinders podcast. Uh, I think he's doing a thing where if you send him a roll of film, he'll send you his zine. Um, so I, th- I got in contact with him before Christmas, um, and I've been a bit slack with the school holidays, but I better check with him that the offer's still there, and I've got some film to send off to him and a couple of little goodies. Uh, I really would love to see more zines this year um, with a view to doing my own. So it's always good to get inspiration from other people. 
I had a lovely message from Graham from Nick and Graham's Homemade Camera Podcast. Uh, so that's at Graham Homemade Camera on Instagram. Uh, he sent me a lovely message. I'll just read it out. Should have had it teed up and ready to go, shouldn't I? Um, but here we go. Um, sorry, where are we? See, this is what happens when you drink wine. You're all prepared and then you get a bit tired and you don't know what you're doing. So here we go. Where are we? Any second now. Um, Here we go. So this is from Graham Homemade Camera on Instagram. Matt, I've been enjoying the show. You have excellent production in addition to entertaining content. Oh, that's so lovely. Um, I, I think what I do is a load of crap and I get embarrassed and think, oh no, I hope people find this useful. So it's actually really lovely to hear that. I run filmpodcastnetwork.com. That's filmpodcastnetwork.com. And I list film photography podcasts on the site. It is and always will be free. And I would love to um, feature your podcasts. Um, so that was really nice. And I filled in a little form. And now I am listed on there amongst some other fantastic podcasts about film photography on Graham's website, which was awesome. And he signed it off by saying, by the way, my artist statement for the Sunny 16 Cheap Shots Challenge was better than yours. (laughs) Um, So there you go. Uh, I think mine was picked out as the winner. Um, But um, yeah, Graham's was very good as well. Graham and Nick's, uh, was it Nick and Graham's homemade podcast is one of the podcasts I have on my uh, podcast app. And I've been listening to that. Um, for some reason, it wasn't downloading, but I've got it to re-download again. And um, the, one of the latest episodes, they're talking about uh, the book 500 cameras, which I have here. So it was really great to listen to the cameras they were picking out and play along at home and look at the cameras they were talking about. And um, so that was really cool. And I look forward to um, listening to more of their podcasts, even though I I cannot make anything. I am completely useless at making stuff. Uh, so there you go. So the next person I want to talk about is Paul, we- Paul Wheeler Photo. So Paul Wheeler Photo, Paul Wheeler is a guy who lives, I believe, in Sydney here in Australia. And he wrote, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he wrote on one of my posts, loving the podcast, got any plans for a half frame camera review? And um, that's really cool. Paul shoots a lot of half frame stuff. And I told Paul that the only half frame camera I currently have is, again, Superhead's camera. So I talked about the Blackbird Fly uh, a little while ago. Um, so the only half frame camera I have is the Superhead's golden half Hello Kitty camera. Uh, it's a really, really cool little camera. Um, I did a test roll with that uh, about two months ago, maybe. And I'll let my daughter take some photos with it because she liked it because it had Hello Kitty on it. And the photos turned out really cool. So I'll be looking forward to um, putting another couple of rolls through the, the golden half and doing a review on that. Um, I did also tell Paul, though, that I actually got... Um, I, I had a film revival uh, about 2010, 2011, where I stopped shooting digital and I bought some film cameras. So this is nine years ago now. And the two cameras I bought were the Lomo LCA, which was pretty much the Mew 2 of its day. Um, around 2010, it was the film camera that everyone was after and the prices went really high. 
So I bought a Lomo LCA and then I sort of inspired by these Russian cameras, I bought a Chaika. I hope I pronounced that correctly. A Chaika. It's a Russian half frame camera. It was green. It was metal. It was beautiful, kind of looking in an ugly kind of way. And I walked around Brisbane taking the most carefully constructed diptychs. Is that hey? Is that how you say that? Diptych, triptych. So a diptych is a, if I'm pronouncing that right, is um, you know an image of two different frames, which is obviously what you get when you shoot half frame. So I, I did all these beautifully constructed images in my mind, and I took the film in for processing, and they said to me, "Sorry, buddy, the roll's blank." So I checked the camera. It looked like the shutter was firing. You know, you could see shutter fire and, the, you know, the lens and everything was looked okay. So I did the same thing again. I went around Brisbane again, um, shot another roll of, I think it was 36 back in those days. I'm shooting 72 images here um, around Brisbane. I took the roll in again. Sorry, buddy, it's blank. <laughs> and then I took a third roll. And by the third roll, I really didn't care. I was just taking stuff of anything to see if it worked. And again, it come back blank again. Now, I bought it off eBay and I was a bit naive. I didn't sort of make a complaint or send it back. There was something wrong with the camera. It looked like it worked. It did not work. And so I, I think a few years later, I tried to take it apart and I chucked it in the bin in the end. But I have been always um, kind of scarred by that half frame experience. But I am super keen to get back into half frame. Obviously, um, Paul mentions that he uses the, the Pen F and the Pen FT, uh, fitted with a 38mm 1.8 and a 40mm 1.4, respectively. Uh, and he's also on the hunt for a Kyocera Yashka Samurai. And that is a weird looking camera. I don't know if you guys have seen that camera, but that is one weird looking camera. But I think the half frame cameras do attract a bit of weirdness. Of course, another weird looking half frame camera is the Canon Dial. And um, I've certainly been very close on eBay a few times to, to buying one of them. Moving along, what else have we got? Um, I've got another Aussie listener here, The Film Sweats on Instagram. Um, and The Film Sweats put, loved the episode, so glad I listened after Christmas. This is due to the, um, the Christmas uh, episode with all the cool stuff in the list. Much less damage to my wallet. And then I think he also, or he or she, I don't know if it's, I think it's a he, it might be a she. Um, the Film Sweats also put on a different post. Great job for the podcast. So nice to hear an Aussie voice. Uh, amazing shots you were able to get from the Pentax Auto 100. Sorry, Auto 110. Auto 110. Um, I'm not sure they were amazing, but it's very lovely of him to say so. Um, so that was uh, pretty cool. Also had a nice message from 30... That's spelt the word 30, then a letter number eight below. So 30, number eight below. Really enjoyed this, thanks. So that was really cool. And I'm just looking through the rest of my messages here. I had a thank you from Little Vintage Photography, which is, of course, Rachel from The Sunny 16. Thanks so much for the lovely mention here of my analog adventurer kit in your uh, top 12 items for film photographers. Delusions of competence. It's delusions underscore of underscore competence. Put a good first episode. You've gained at least one follower on Podbean. 
And I hope your kids got a lot of chocolate for doing all your mid-segment fills. Yes, my, my family live on chocolate, um, so they, they definitely got rewarded for, for doing all the little uh, fills and stuff on the podcast. And I think the last nice comment I'm going to read out here from Instagram was from at Collie Matorn. That's K-O-L-L-I-M-A-T-O-I-N. Collie Matorn. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I had a great time listening to this app. Always fun listening to people talk about cameras, but yours are proper reviews, and I appreciate that. Smiley face. Keep them coming. Thumbs up. That's really lovely. Uh, and Collie Matorn um, does a Swedish film photography podcast. How cool is that? I don't speak Swedish. Um, I wish I did, but I don't. So I, I no point in me listening, but that is fantastic and lovely. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. So I have been using the Christmas break to catch up on my podcast listening. Um, so a couple of the ones I've been listening to, I've been listening to Viking Viewfinders, a couple episodes of that. Um, Nick and Graham's homemade camera podcasts. I listened to a couple episodes of the um, Neil Piper's Soots and Whitewash. I obviously listened to the Sunny 16 podcast and Backing Paper. Uh, and of course, negative positives. And I was going through sort of cherry picking some of the negative positive episodes. Um, so I really love the podcast. Um, Mike and Andre produce so many episodes, though. I, I will admit I find it hard to keep up. I just don't have enough hours in the day to listen to all these podcasts. But I really enjoy their podcast. Um, they sound like they have a lot of fun. And uh, I actually sent Mike an email uh, to enter the uh, 200th giveaway. Um, and I put, hey, Mike, uh, or should I call you G-Dog? Greetings from sunny Brisbane. Uh, congratulations on the 200th episode milestone. Um, I would love to enter the prize of Palooza, uh, but I live in Australia, so I'm probably not going to be eligible, but that's cool. And so I just crapped on a little bit about um, my podcast and how I'm joined Sherry Christensen's Frugal Film Project. So that was that. Was that. Um, I also said that um, I'd noticed some downloads of my episodes of my podcast uh, from Tennessee, but not from Kentucky. Um, and I, cause I noticed that Mike had followed me on Podbean, uh, but I saw that there was only downloads in Tennessee. So I said to Mike, I, I signed off by saying that I, I recently bought an APS camera and some film. Um, so um, hopefully one day I will get to review that. And so Mike replied, I'm not sure whether I should, should I do a Mike impression or not? Maybe I should just do the first bit of the email. Hey, Matt, good to hear from you. And you were entered in the drawing. There we go. That's my, it's my Mike, <laughs> Mike Gutterman uh, impression. He's got a great voice. Um, and it was really cool uh, recently, by the way, to hear Mike uh, talk to Ted Vieira, who surely has the best voice in the business. Um, Ted Vieira, I knew from Fuji X circles because uh, I don't personally know him, but I knew of Ted Vieira's work using Fuji X digital cameras. And um, I didn't realize that he'd almost moved entirely to film um, for his personal stuff a couple of years ago. So that was really great to listen to um, the negative positives episodes with Ted in and have two great voices, Mike's voice and Ted's voice in the one episode. Anyway, back to the email from Mike. 
Hey, Matt, good to hear from you and you were entered in the drawing. Thanks for listening and for the kind words. I need to join Sherry's Frugal Project myself. I think it might be closed actually now, but let's not tell Mike that. I do listen to your podcast. I even mentioned it a couple of episodes ago and I've been trying to find that episode where he mentions it and I've listened to about eight episodes uh, that he's recently put out and I haven't heard it. So I I think I've still got a few more to get to, Um, but there you go. Those Tennessee downloads were likely me. My phone constantly has me listed as being located in Tennessee for some stupid reason. Even my Google searches think I'm in Tennessee. Keep up the great podcast. Shoot that APS and cheers, Mike. So that was really lovely. Um, I wasn't expecting, I mean, he must get a ton of email and I wasn't expecting a personal reply, but that's lovely. I think that's probably an indication of why uh, Negative Positives is so popular and uh, has so many fans, a real personal touch there from Mike, which is um, really nice. So um, following on from that um, mention of Ted Vieira, I also, uh, I didn't know that Ted Vieira actually had a podcast. So uh, I've been listening to Ted's podcast as well, uh, Photography Matters. And man, he has, see, I just said man, he says man a lot. Uh, He has a great voice, Ted, and I just love the way that he talks about film. He's such a cool dude. Um, So um, if you haven't checked out Ted Vera's podcast, Photography Matters, check that out. He is such a cool guy. So I hope that gives you a flavor of what I've been up to. A lot of listening to podcasts, a lot of shooting with cameras um, to do future material for the show. I had six lots of negatives back the other day, and that was so frustrating. Uh, The first lot I had out of the uh, negative sleeves, I scanned, and for the next two hours, I scanned and scanned and re-scanned the same negatives because I kept getting that horrible purple line across the negatives with my Epson scanner. The purple line that you get across uh, the image is when you have some kind of dust or dirt in the uh, scanner calibration area, which in theory you can fix by cleaning your scanner. But I clean my scanner very carefully with a soft cloth um, five, six, seven times. Um, I use a torch to see if there's any smudges or dust. I use a little air blower, just, you know, one of those like um, Giotto's rocket blowers. Um, and I cleaned it so many times and I kept scanning the same negatives and every single time I scanned, I get that horrible purple line across the images. So annoying. Um, and in the end, I, after about two hours, I just loaded up some different negatives from a different camera and they were fine. So I don't know why my scanner has a problem with the C200 negatives at the moment. Hopefully it's just that one batch because um, it's so super annoying to, you know, the, the images look great in the preview and then, you know, have this line across them. I mean, I can probably get it out in Photoshop, the little purple line, but, you know, I don't really want to. I want them to, to scan properly. When you, when you pay a few hundred bucks for a scanner, you know, you, you want it to, to do its job, right? So it's only a couple of weeks before schools go back. In fact, I think it's less than that. I think it's about 10 days until school goes back. So we do have a few little day trips lined up uh, with the fam, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, So this weekend we are going to see the sunflowers. So in southern Queensland, um, near Warwick and Allara, um, the Darling Downs kind of region, uh, a couple hours west of Brisbane, uh, this time of year they have beautiful fields of sunflowers come out. Uh, and I was there a couple of years ago and took some really nice photos with my digital stuff. 
So I'm really super excited to go back this year with digital and film and instant and take a whole load of photos of the sunflowers. Um, you do have to be careful. You can't go in the sunflower fields because obviously these are farmers' crops and you don't want to ruin their livelihood. Um, so, um, But I'm really looking forward to going back and seeing the pretty fields. And it's a bit of a road trip for the family to go out there, which is cool. And then a few days after that, we're going to go to the beach um, for, a, for a day trip or so. Um, so really looking forward to go for a bit of a swim, go for an early morning walk along the beach, you know, go out for dinner, something like that. And um, we haven't really had a, a big uh, holiday, these holidays, like we haven't gone on, you know, vacation. Um, so money's been a bit tight and we've both been working quite a lot. And uh, certainly we are going away uh, in 2019, we're going to Europe for a wedding. We're going to England uh, for my sister-in-law's wedding, which would be really, really cool. And uh, we're just kind of um, looking at where we're going on the trip. Uh, we start off by going from Brisbane to Hong Kong. And I think we're in Hong Kong for three nights. And then we go to Switzerland for four nights uh, because my wife gave me the task of finding some snow in August in Europe. Uh, so we go to Switzerland and then we're going to go up at the top of a mountain somewhere so the kids can see snow because um, certainly my son's never seen snow and my daughter, she was, she saw snow when she was in England but she was only like 14 months old so yeah, a long time ago and then we head on to England and from England we've just got a, you know, we've got the wedding and um, we're probably going to go to the Isle of Wight um, my wife loves the Isle of Wight I've never been so that would be really cool to go there and we're kind of also weighing up, um, as well as the Midlands, where my West Midlands, where my um, my in-laws live, we're also sort of weighing up where to go to. So we, we might go up to Blackpool for the eliminations. Uh, despite the fact I lived in England for 12 years, I've never been to Blackpool. So that'd be pretty cool. And the other two places we're thinking about going to, uh, we'll only have a time to go to one. Either want to go to Scotland and onto the Faroe Islands from there, which would be really cool. I did that trip uh, in 2017 to see the puffins in the Faroe Islands. That was amazing. So we'll either do that or I think we'll head to France for four or five nights. Um, We haven't really decided, so um, we need to probably work that out pretty soon because, you know, Europe in summer, need to start booking accommodation. So I'm really, really looking forward to 2019, looking forward to paying these cars off we have, get that out of the way, and then spend some money on getting out in the world and doing some cool stuff. And in terms of my photography, I really want to look at doing some photo projects, doing a zine or a book or something cool like that, have some kind of cohesive um, glue holding my photography together. I'm really excited about being in the Frugal Film Project, which I mentioned earlier. That's really cool. And um, I also want to shoot some black and white. Um, I haven't shot a roll of black and white. In fact, I probably shot like one roll of black and white in the last 10 years. I really am a color film guy. Um, So, um, yeah, I am looking forward to shooting black and white. That's probably because I've been listening to Ted Vieira so much um, recently. But um, there you go. That's it for episode four of Matt Loves Cameras. I hope you've really enjoyed the show. It's a, I think it's my longest episode yet. <laughs> so I hope you kept listening. I hope it was interesting. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet for episode five. It could quite possibly be the Polaroid SLR 680SE, a beautiful, beautiful camera, probably the best uh, Polaroid camera 
ever produced. It's certainly one that a lot of people um, lust after. Is that, uh, should I say that? I'm not sure I should say that. Anyway, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful camera. I've got some lovely images from it. I think that's probably up next to bat. But hey-ho, we might um, we might even switch something in different, like uh, the Class S um, for 5 or maybe for 6. Who knows? Everything's a bit of a surprise here on Matt Loves Cameras. Hope you have a uh, wonderful month of January. I will be back very, very soon, either late January or early Feb. Uh, Keep the comments coming on Instagram uh, or the emails to mattlovescameras at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. Uh, Thanks so much for your support so far. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Cassie NMZ. Check the show notes for the link.